Ever had somebody betray your trust? You know, someone who you thought was one way and they turned out to be something very, very different, who in some sense their entire life or at least their entire relationship with you uh, was a lie. Lies can cause an incredible amount of damage. They can bring about a lot of hurt, mistrust. They can uh, ruin relationships. Uh, they They can destroy lives. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us lie from time to time. And, and most of our lies are not of that level. They're not um, making ourselves out to be someone who are, who are not in order to gain someone else's trust and then, and then betray them. Um, they're seemingly innocent or maybe not so innocent, but they're not, as, they're not as dramatic as what we hear. Yet, Yet the cost of our lives, of our lies, I'm sorry, is often greater than what we think it is. It's often more than we would otherwise anticipate. And uh, this morning, as Steve mentioned, we're continuing on in our series on the Ten Commandments. We come to the Ninth Commandment, found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. And God says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And when we hear that, the obvious, the most obvious and immediate application would be, you know, say in the legal realm, perjury, or in the the general relationship realm, uh, we're not supposed to say things about other people that aren't true. You know, we're not supposed to spread false rumors. We're supposed to correct false rumors instead of spreading them. We're not supposed to make up things about other people, uh, either in order to make ourselves look good or in order to uh, hurt somebody else. Today, I want us to focus not just on that specific application and that specific uh, focal point there. I want us to take a step back, in a sense, and focus on what's really behind that, the principle that I think God had in mind when he gave that commandment, and that's that God wants us to tell the truth. He wants us to be people who are uh, men and women of integrity and honesty and uprightness and uh, truthfulness. And as I said before, if we're honest with ourselves, and this is almost an ironic thing to say, but if we're honest, we'll admit that we all lie uh, from time to time, that we all say things that aren't true, uh, that we all neglect to tell the truth. Maybe we exaggerate a story. Uh, maybe we fudge an absence note for one of our children. Uh, you know, little Johnny wasn't feeling well yesterday. That's why he wasn't in school. Well, the truth is that Johnny wasn't feeling well because he didn't want to go to school, you know, and we just enabled him uh, in, in, in perpetuating that lie. Uh, we, we, make, we make up an excuse for not doing something that we promised that we'd do. We pad our resume. We don't actually do what, uh, if you've uh, read the news from time to time, you know, certain uh, folks in the news have done and create a job that we never actually had or graduated from a university that we've never been within 500 miles of. But if you read the description of the job that we had and you were to compare it to what we actually did, it looks a whole lot better on paper than it did when we actually did that particular job. So we exaggerate a little bit that way. Or maybe we're a little bit too generous with the income tax deductions we take 
or we conveniently forget a little bit of income, not our major income, but just you know a few hundred or a few thousand uh, dollars here and there. I mean, we're not Bernie Madoff, okay, on the one hand, uh, but we're not Mother Teresa, you know, on the other hand, uh, on the other end of things. And, and I want to stop here for just a minute because it's tough when we're talking about a subject like lying, which is something that I guarantee we have all done and we all do, and probably half of us have done it today already, and it's only uh, noon. And by the way, it, it is noon, it's not 11 o'clock, so if you're here for the earlier service, um, you just, you know, you get, got an extra hour today uh, accidentally in that way. I'm not sh- exactly sure how the math of that works. Um, but... Uh, it's a difficult thing, in a sense, to talk about something like lying, which is something that we all commit, because at some level, we're going to feel guilty about that. We're going to feel bad about that. And my goal this morning is not to make us feel guilty and not to make us feel get bad and not to manipulate us, to sort of guilt us into uh, being more honest or, or, or being more truthful, because we have a God who is a God of grace and a God of love and a God of forgiveness, who understands our weaknesses and our failings, and he understands that we lie. He doesn't want us to do that, but when we do, he still loves us, and he still forgives us, and he doesn't give up on us, and he doesn't walk away from us, and he doesn't sever that relationship with us. Instead, he says, come to me and confess that, Admit what you've done, and I stand ready to forgive you. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, later on. But I wanted that to kind of be a backdrop for what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. So why do we lie? What's going on? What's behind it when we lie? In some cases, uh, we lie in order to be nice or polite. We want to avoid hurting someone. For example... I ask you to raise your hand, but every hand is going to go up. Uh, what do you say? Have you ever been in a situation when someone says, do you like my hair? What do you think of my new dress? How about this car that I just bought? You know, what do you think of that? You know, what do you say? I wouldn't be caught dead in that dress. Your hair looks like you just stuck your finger in a light socket, you know? And, you know what do you say in those kind of situations? So we come up with the creative response. Hey! That's a baby, you know, or of all the cars that I've ever seen, that is definitely one of them. You know, I, mean, I had a shirt like that once one time, then I got a job. No, I mean, you know, it's a, what do you do in those kind of situations? You know, you want to be honest, but if you're honest, you're going to hurt the person. And it's a difficult situation, you know, and, and God wants us to be truthful, but he also wants us to be loving and kind. And sometimes it's difficult uh, to, 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 to balance the two. Other times, our motives aren't so, uh, so good. Maybe we're lying because we're afraid. You know, we want to protect ourselves. We're worried uh, that we're going to get into trouble or that we'll displease somebody or that we'll be embarrassed. We lie in order to avoid confrontation. We try to shift the blame to somebody else to get them in trouble for something that we've done so that we won't get in trouble for it. Now, I've got to word this next statement carefully, otherwise I could be lying. But my earliest remembrance 
of getting caught in a lie. So I'm not saying this was the first time I lied. I just don't remember being caught before this. My earliest remembrance of getting caught in a lie was when I was about five or six years old. And one day, for some unknown reason, my mother decided to go on an inspection tour of the walls of our house. And she found that on one of the walls, there was handwriting in, uh, I don't remember the color crayon, but it was definitely crayon. And it was probably the color that was in my hand at the time, which would have given her a a connection as to how that writing got on the wall. And so she, she confronted me and she said, you know, little Clay, why did you do, write on the wall? You know, why did you write on the wall? And I said, I didn't write on the wall, you know. And she said, yes, you did. And I said, no, how, what, do you th- what, what makes you think that I wrote on the wall? Well, there's a green crayon in your hand and there's, you know, there's green handwriting on the wall. Obviously, you wrote on the wall. And I said, it wasn't me, it was my brother, you know, my younger brother here, he's the one who did it. And she said, I don't think so. And I said, yes, obviously, I would never do something like that. It must have been him. And she said, I don't think so. And I said, why don't you think so? And she said, because he's two years old and he hasn't learned how to write yet. I said, oops, we're in a little trouble here. So I learned a very, very valuable lesson that day. I had to teach my younger brother how to write. That was good, huh? Seriously, we lie to protect ourselves. We lie to gain something, you know? Why do we we lie about some of the activities we've been involved in? Because we want other people to think well of us. We want to feel better about ourselves. We want to save money. Uh, We want to get a job. We want our kids to get into a good school and on and on and on. So we lie. And all of those things that we desire, at least most of those things that we desire, are good things. And so in, in lying, we actually end up lying to ourselves. You know, and we tell ourselves that, well, maybe that's not really a lie because the ultimate goal is a good goal. And so is, is it a lie if I say something that's not true in order to achieve a good goal? Or if it's a lie, it's not a bad lie because I'm trying to do something good. And on and on and on. And, and we, we perpetuate this, this, this cycle of self-deception. Truth is what corresponds to reality. And lying is what doesn't correspond to reality. It's what's not the truth. And we can get into a discussion of, is it a lie if we didn't intend to deceive, it was, you know, if it was a mistake? And that's a great philosophical discussion. But the point is, we ought to be people who want to try to tell the truth, who want to be people of integrity and honesty and uprightness, whom others, whom others can trust. So those are some of the reasons that, that people lie. What are some of the reasons that we give uh, for why we shouldn't lie? One of the first reasons parents give their children for not lying is that it's wrong. You know, uh, maybe if you grew up in a in a religious home, uh, one of your parents at some point said to you, "God says lying is wrong," and they quoted maybe from the Old King James Version, "Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor." You know, and they say God says lying is wrong, so don't lie, um, and that is a good reason. God does say it's wrong, and we ought to obey God because He's God. We ought to do what what He says. Uh, that we should do. Maybe we appeal to the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You wouldn't want someone to lie to you or lie about you, so don't lie to them or lie about them. And that's, that's a good 
obviously a, a, a good reason as well. And for people who have a, a strong sense of right and wrong, people who have a sensitive conscience, this kind of uh, reasoning can, can be a very, very strong motivation. And I'm sure there are a number of folks out here for whom that's a strong motivation. For others, it's almost kind of like, okay, you know, tell me something else. I know that, but it really doesn't make a lot of difference uh, in the way that I live my life. So another common argument uh, against lying is that it has consequences. Uh, We could get in trouble. What happens if we get caught? Uh, We're worse off if we lie. Or from a more positive perspective, we'll feel better about ourselves if we tell the truth. The last couple of weeks, as I was uh, chewing on this message, I was reading a book on ethics. And over and over and over again, the authors came back to this as, in their minds, one of the primary reasons why we ought to tell the truth. And ultimately, they're saying, well, the short-term consequences of lying may be somewhat positive. Otherwise, we wouldn't lie if there were no short-term conse- you know, positive consequences of lying. Well, the short-term consequences may be positive. Uh, 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 positive. The long-term consequences of lying are usually negative. It builds a habit in us. It lowers our self-esteem or our self-image. It uh, is a bad example for our kids. It contributes to the degradation of society and, and on and on and on. And they gave a number of different reasons uh, like that. And so for, for some people, that is a very good reason and it's very helpful and very motivational to them as they're considering how to, to live their lives with integrity. I've got a third reason that I want to share with you that for me has been even more helpful than these other two. These two are true. Yes, lying is wrong and we ought to do what's right and there can be negative consequences of lying. Absolutely. But there's a third reason that I want to share with you. And in order to do that, I want us to take a look at a passage Uh, in the Bible that records an incident that happened during the last week of Jesus' life. In fact, it happened on the last full day of Jesus' life. About uh, two weeks from now, two weeks from today, is Easter Sunday. And uh, the Friday before that, we refer to as Good Friday. And the Thursday, the day before that, in a number of uh, Protestant churches especially, it's referred to as Maundy Thursday from a Latin word, mandare, which means command. And it's talking about the command that Jesus gave to love one another. And in, I think in, in the Catholic Church, they may refer to that as Holy Thursday or Great Thursday. Uh, but in any case, that Thursday night... Jesus was put on trial before the Jewish religious authorities. See, what had happened is during his three-and-a-half-year ministry on the earth, he had confrontation after confrontation after confrontation with the religious leaders, and they were butting heads. And during the final week of his life, the tension reached a climax, and the religious leaders decided, we got to get rid of Jesus And the way we're going to do that is by killing him. He's not going to go away. He's getting more and more followers. So we're going to kill him. So they put him on trial, and they were trying to find cause uh, to put him to death. And we pick up the action in uh, Mark chapter 14 and verse 55. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Let me just stop there for a second. 
the Sanhedrin was the ruling council of the Jewish religious leaders. There were 70 men who were selected to, to lead the Jews, and it was both a religious body but also a political body as well because the Romans had allowed the Jews, the Romans were occupying Israel at this time, and they had allowed the Jews some level of autonomy, some level of government. So this Sanhedrin uh, both ruled on both religious matters and as well political or, or civil matters as well. So they're trying to find a reason to put him to death, but they couldn't find any. Verse 56, many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. Now notice what they were doing. In order to find a reason to convict Jesus, they're trying to violate the ninth commandment. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. They're bringing people in to bear false witness against Jesus. But the irony of the situation is they aren't even able to get their story straight. They got different people saying different things about what Jesus did, but they couldn't get their false witnesses to lie straight. So they had no evidence to convict him. So then, verse 60, the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now we hear that and... Okay, he's, it sounds like he's affirming that he's the Messiah, and, he, and, and he's doing that. But as they heard it, they heard something more than that. Not only was Jesus affirming that he's the Messiah, that he's the Christ, that he's the Savior, that he's the promised one, he's also saying, I'm God. Because you see those two little words, I am, for any Jew living in those days, when they heard that, they'd say, He's referring back to the book of Exodus, where if you're, if you're familiar with the story, either from reading in the Bible or from one of the movies that's been made about the life of Moses, Moses is standing in front of the burning bush, and he's talking to God, and he says, what's your name? Who are you? And God responds, and he says, I am. That's my name. I am who I am. And so when Jesus says, I am, He's making a claim to be God. And then he goes on in the rest of the verse, and when he talks to this thing about the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven, he's making a reference back to the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament who promised that there was one who was going to come and judge, who was going to sit in judgment over the nation of Israel and over its religious leaders and who was going to reign over them. And so when they say to Jesus, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? He says, yeah. In fact, I'm not just the Messiah. I'm the God who's going to come and who's going to judge you. You think you're sitting in judgment over me? Well, the day's going to come when I'm going to sit in judgment over you. So then verse 63, the high priest tore his clothes and he says, why do we need any more witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. What did Jesus just do? 
I mean, think about it for, for a minute there. If Jesus had said nothing, what could they have done? Their false witnesses couldn't get their stories straight, so they had no evidence to convict him. If he had just kept his mouth shut, that would have been it. The trial would have had to have been over. Or he could have lied and he could have said, no, I'm not the Messiah. Come on, it's all a misunderstanding. Let's just be friends. We'll move on from this. And he would have walked out of there a free man. But instead, he gave them not just the evidence they were looking for. He gave them more than that. He gave them the evidence that they needed to convict him of blasphemy so that they had to put him to death. You see, in their minds... It had to be blasphemy because there's no way that this guy was God. There's no way that he was the Messiah. There's no way that he was the judge who was to come. They didn't believe him even though he was telling the truth. And the irony is if he had lied, they would have believed him. But when he told the truth, they didn't believe him. If he had lied, he would have gone free. But by telling the truth, he was sentenced to death. If he had lied, he would have protected himself. But by telling the truth, he sacrificed himself. He gave up his life for our lives. He was true to his identity because that's the kind of God that we have. We have a God of truth, a God of integrity, a God of honesty, a God of uprightness. So Jesus couldn't deny who he was because it was part of his very being to tell the truth. That's the kind of God we have. But we also have the kind of God who is willing to pay the short-term consequence of losing his life in order to accomplish the long-term mission of saving our lives. And that's the grace and the love, that we were, the forgiveness that we were talking about earlier on. Jesus told the truth so that he could receive the penalty for the lies that we've told. And that's the kind of God we have, a God who loves us enough to sacrifice himself for us. And that brings us to the third reason, and for me, what's been the most helpful reason for me as to why we ought to tell the truth. That's because it's part of our identity. It's part of who we are. It's part of who God made us to be. It's part of who he is making us to be as we continue uh, to trust in him. I don't think any of us wants to be known as a liar. We we don't want to be thought of as someone who doesn't tell the truth. We want to be known as people of integrity. We want people to look at us and say, hey, that's a person who's honest, who tells the truth, whom I can trust. That's the kind of identity that we want to have, and that's the kind of identity I think that obviously that God wants us to have. Those of us who consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus ought to want to exhibit the same kind of character he had, the same kind of character that will tell the truth even if it costs us something because that's who we are and that's who God made us to be. And God is, is working in us if we're his followers. He's working in us to, to, to develop that character in us. When we trust in him, when we follow him, when we... Sing as when we mean what we sang in the song, God, you reign, then he begins to work in our lives. And it's really a lifelong process. Sometimes it's sort of a a three steps forward, two steps back kind of thing. You know, we grow a little bit and then we have a setback. 
we're doing a little bit better with telling the truth and then we slip back into one of, you know, maybe we're afraid and we slip back into one of the old habits of lying. And God says, okay, that doesn't make me happy when you do that, but I still love you. I still want to have that relationship with you. I'm not going to sever that relationship with you. Just come to me and confess that and ask for my forgiveness. And as Rich was talking about last week, I'll cleanse you and I'm going to renew you and I'm going to continue to work in you to make you more and more and more like myself. To develop my character, God says, to develop my character in you. Telling the truth is part of who God is created us to be. It's part of our identity. It's part of who we are. And it's part of who God is making us to be. As we close, I want to leave you with three questions that you can ask yourself when you're faced with a choice uh, between telling the truth or fudging, telling a lie. Uh, First question, am I choosing what is right? Am I choosing what is right or am I choosing what's expedient, what's convenient in the moment? Second question, am I being consistent with with who I am? Am I being consistent with who I am, with who God created me to be, with who, if I'm honest with myself, I really want to be, because I think we all want to be known as people of, of, of honesty, of integrity, of truthfulness. Am I being consistent with who I am and who God is making me to be? And finally, third, am I trusting in God in this situation? Am I trusting in God? And am I cooperating with him in this process of becoming more and more and more like him? Am I trusting in him? We may fall short. We're going to fail today, maybe even in the next five minutes but God still loves us. And he showed us that love by being willing to tell the truth about who he is rather than keeping silent or denying who he was. And by telling the truth, he paid short-term consequences so that we could have long-term gain. And that's the kind of loving, honest, truthful, self-sacrificial, wonderful and awesome God that we have And by God's grace, we can become more like him, more like the people whom he created us to be. If we'll trust in him, if we'll look to him and say, I need you, I need you to work in my life. I want to be like you, but it's a struggle. It's not easy. So please help me and enable me to become more and more and more like you. And by his grace, we can become more and more and more like him more like the people that he wants us to be and more like the people that I think we want to be as well. Let's pray. Father, this whole subject of telling the truth and lying is a challenging one. It's difficult for us because maybe it's some sense of of all the commandments. This is one that we certainly violate pretty frequently, if not the most frequently. We all lie. We all fail to tell the truth. We all deceive. Yet, Father, you still love us and you still want to have a relationship with us. You still forgive us. You still show us your grace. So, Father, I pray that you give us a deeper understanding of of who you are, of who Jesus is, 
of the kind of loving and kind, but also truthful and honest and upright God you are. Give us an increased desire to be like you, a desire to be honest and truthful, but give us also a greater appreciation for the way in which you work in our lives and in our hearts. Give us a greater dependence on you. And as we trust in you more and more and more, may we grow to be more and more and more like you. And in so doing, may we bring you honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.